So, I am learning something right now. It is a lot harder than you would think to record an intro. This is about the seventh time I have started and stopped this because I keep just saying something that's stupid or just sounds really bad. But uh, I found myself here on a cloudy Saturday morning with the house to myself, which is very rare uh, when your parents live next door and you have a baby. But everybody, I hope, is doing well. I know it's been a long time since we've got an episode out, but it's really hard when you work as much as I do and you have to coordinate with three other people. I know I'm just making excuses. I should be doing better. And I am. I am going to try to do better. I'm going to try to be more consistent with the schedule um, and getting episodes out because this is something that I really like doing. Uh, Having a podcast gives you the flexibility to do whatever you want basically we can we we can talk about whatever we want for example uh coming up uh i'm going to get together with david from over at the uh, geek garage Uh, we're going to talk about vampires because i want to and because we recently did a uh, watch along episode with him on his podcast with um what We Do in the Shadows, if you haven't seen it, great movie, very funny, uh, very funny take on vampires and vampire culture. It's like a mockumentary type thing. Go check it out. Um, I don't know what episode that is for him, but Geek Garage Podcast, go check that out. Uh, we have social media, uh, Much Ado Pod on Instagram, Much Ado Pod on Facebook. I am not good with social media. I have to get my wife to do it for me. Because that's just the kind of uh, kind of guy I am. But um, on Facebook, I think I was successful in creating a page that you can go like. At first, I made a profile, which means you have to like send a friend request to it, and that would just be cumbersome. But I think you can go like it on Facebook. You can definitely go like it on Instagram. I haven't made a Twitter. I don't know why. I'm just lazy, and I never get on Twitter. But I will get around to doing a Twitter uh, page for it as well. And that way, you can stay up to date with... Um, Everything that we're doing over here at the Much Ado About Nothing uh, podcast. Uh, Let's see, what else? Okay, that's it. That's all the announcements that I wanted before we start the episode. Uh, I hope everybody's doing okay. Everything absolutely sucks balls right now. I know that. Um, If you're anything like me, your anxiety level is just through the damn roof with all this COVID stuff going on. And pilots are getting, pilots, excuse me, pilots are getting furloughed right now. And that really hits home with me. Um... I'm pretty sure that I'm safe, but I really hate to see friends that are staring down the barrel of a furlough. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that are losing their jobs right now, and it's just an an insanely stressful time for a lot of people, not to mention everything else that I've got going on, Um, selling a house in Tennessee and moving my parents down here. That was super stressful. hated that, uh, but it's done. Uh, I'm here. My work schedule is still super busy. I'm going to do my best to be more consistent with these episodes, though, because I like doing it. So today, got together with Mike, um, just happened to snag me. He, he texted me and said, hey, I'm available now if you want to jump on. And after a big old plate of chicken Alfredo and a couple glasses of Johnny Walker Red, uh, we got on and we talked about the Electoral College, which is something that I've always been curious about. I knew that it existed, but I never really knew what it was or why it was important or why every election uh, cycle it, it comes around as this is this issue that people want to talk about and why it matters. We need it. We don't need it. The Electoral College is stupid. So we're going to talk about that. Um, let's get into it. I'm just going to go ahead and send you right on your way. Thank you so much. Uh, like it on social look for more episodes
a hellstorm of shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so you said you're coming back from buying a car? Yeah, yeah. So um, Tom and I talked about it and uh, decided, because he's trying to move on from his car. Well, anyway, we just came to the conclusion, yeah, getting like a cheap, like, you know, $3,000, $4,000, something that I'd be able to resell in a few months. And I keep up here just for when I'm in and out. But then I may have hit, yeah, I hit, I hit uh, in the options trading a little bit and kind of doubled my budget uh, to get something I could really sell easily. So I, I went out and I bought this uh, Forerunner. It's like a, those things are just like sacred cows out here. It's ridiculous. They're even more so than Subarus. They just hold their value. So it'd be easier for me to turn around and sell it. But this uh, guy, after losing out on two of them, like we found two and then uh, we went all week. I've been running around chasing these, you know, things. Uh, you know how it is trying to find a used car and get a good deal. Uh, we have found a great place that does four runners and all that. And we get there and after like, maybe 36 hours, like, when I first decided to, like, look for a car, hadn't even gotten, like, the cash, like, you know, pulled out. Three Forerunners that we had looked at buying at the same place have all been sold. And it's, they're, like, they're everywhere, but everyone wants them because they're 4 by 4 or, like, whatever. Uh, so I've just been scouring, and then, like, last night, within, like, 10 minutes of him posting it, this, like, into, like, a small-time dealer, you know, someone that's, like, a three-person operation, they, like, go to auctions, like, do their own deal. They bought one with like 140,000 miles from New York, which is like nothing. That is, you could, if, if Colorado had a Smithsonian, you would put a Forerunner with less than 150,000 miles in it. Like it's it's ridiculous what people ask for for Forerunners out here that'll have 250,000 miles. They're like 2,000, 250,000 miles runs like a tank, eight grand. Like it's unreal. Wow, like, they they really hold their value, huh? It's the four by four thing. Like they are tanks. Like those Toyotas, like they will run for three hundred plus thousand miles. They're absolutely one of those cars. And same for um, really everything from the motor to the transmission to the drivetrain. They're just bulletproof, like Jeeps or whatever. Um, so it, as long as you get the four by four version, like they're just so highly sought after. Um, and I, I, I'm hoping I got lucky here. The only thing I can find wrong with this one, uh, and it was a deep. It paid six grand for it. It's a deep deep discount for what I've seen other cars with this mileage. It came from New York, so it's got some undercarriage rust, which is to be expected. But at this point, I'm thinking like, ah, like I got, it's got a clean Carfax, like there's everything straight, one owner. Like I may scrub the bottom of this thing and then put some like sealant on The guys I bought it from, they're like the dealer. They're like, you know, if you scrub that bottom and like put that sealant on it, like that's, that'll take care of it. It's all cosmetic rust. And they're right. I, I know what I'm looking at with rust a little bit anyway. I think I could sell this thing for like three grand more than I bought it for. Oh, okay. Like, because they got it at auction. Like, they could have paid like 2500 bucks for it, but I just couldn't believe it. And as I'm buying this thing, the guy gets like five text messages from five different random numbers, like, Forerunner's still there, Forerunner's still there. Like, it is insane, like, how quick these things go. So there's a run on Forerunners right now. You know what else I noticed? Um, there's a run on guns right now, to mm-hmm. be expected. And there's a run, Every believe time. it or not, believe it or not, on RVs. I believe all of that. <laughs> I have no idea why, but there is a run. Like the the supply is really low because I, I've been like you know fantasizing about buying an RV and I've been watching like YouTube and I follow this one guy and he's like our stock's like way low, but it's it's pretty Dude, weird. People like look trying to live the alternative life. Real quick before we get too far into nothingness. Uh, yeah, sorry. I got welcome to, to talk that a minute. 
That's fine. Welcome to Much Do About Nothing. It's a podcast about car talk. Love those motors. Mm, can't get enough of them. Congrats, you found it. Um, but <laughs> this is a hey, I, it was I, a I, long battle. I, I hate it. it. Sucks. There's few redeeming qualities to unsuccessfully looking for a used car. It's just oh, draining. Uh, it, it does suck. Um, but uh, thank you so much, really, for getting back with me because I was going to get together with um David over at Geek Garage. We were going to do a whole thing on vampires, and I had I had like a bunch of notes and stuff because we were um watching uh, what we do in the shadows. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's really, I mean, really good. Th- I have to thank you for turning me on to that show. Oh, it's so good. Well, I didn't know. We probably could have done that, too. Oh, it doesn't matter. But I really wanted to uh, bounce this off you. And this is something that's been, like, in my mind for a long time. And I've never really understood it. Um, I'm going to pull up my notes here so I can look at them while I'm talking. But let me just minimize this so I can see you and this. Let me see that face. There he is. Okay. Um. So the every election cycle, right? And like I, I've only been paying attention since like 2016 when when shit got weird. But every elections election cycle, um, sorry, you you got me with a belly full of um, ch- uh, chicken Alfredo and Johnny Walker Red. So I'm uh, probably you're fueled. Yeah, yeah, I'm probably not going to be at my best. But every election cycle, um, the electoral college uh, comes into question, right? And I see that every single time. And I, I've I know just cursory what it is and like mm-hmm. why it's called into question. So I, I, I started like looking into it a little bit, just like broad strokes, YouTube, Google top hits, most views, yeah. just what's getting the most attention to see just kind of what's out there. And I, I wanted to bounce some stuff off you and you yeah. can, you can like kind of just tell me where I'm at. I know I got a good grasp, right? Mm-hmm. So I, looking at my notes here, like I just typed a bunch of shit down. So the electoral college, just broad strokes. It's a group of people um, elected by the States who formally elect the president and the vice president. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I have here um, since 1964, there's been 538 electors in each presidential election. And the number of electors is equal to the total voting membership of Congress being 435 house reps, 100 senators and three for D.C. Does that sound yeah. right? Yes. OK, cool. And the goal here, uh, the objective, I guess, in the election is to surpass 270. That's the halfway mark, right? Yeah. 270 uh, is, is has always been the, been the benchmarker since they set that mandate in the uh, 1954. Uh, you can, you know, they even have a website now, 270 to win it. Uh, that's the electoral map website to play around with states and their value and try to project how someone might win. But yeah, 270. Okay, cool. So I have um, each state receives a number of electors based on population size. And I noticed um, a couple weeks ago when the census was going around that everybody was really harping the census is important, the census is important. But I finally put it together because this is why the census is important and why you want everyone, including people who may not be here legally or undocumented, um, to participate because this is why – Every few years, the states might gain or lose a few electoral votes. So you yes. want as many participating people in that. And that finally clicked. I didn't understand why. Like, I knew the census was important, but I, sure. I never put it together why until I actually read this, right? Yeah. So on rare occasions, a candidate can win uh, the popular vote but not get enough electoral votes, which we learned, right? Yeah, become less rare since 2000. Yeah, right. So – um. 
that's like the broad strokes of like what what I'm looking at, right? So um, there's a few phrases that I picked up. Safe states, uh, states with a long history of voting for a particular party. Swing states, obviously I live in one now. Uh, they shift between voting for a Democratic or Republican candidate. Um, the winner take all. Um, means that um, in big states, if a candidate gets millions of votes, it doesn't matter, right? They could get, like, if it's a 5 million person state, they could get, like, 2,500,001. But right. the person who wins that state gets all the other votes, right? Even yep. though th- those people didn't vote. So is yep. it really like this, like, people's majority dem- democratic process? Like, I, I don't know how to phrase this. So the critics of it. Right. Some argue that the um, the Electoral College protects smaller states um, such as Rhode Island or geographically large states with uh, small populations like Alaska because a candidate can't completely like ignore the small states uh, when they're campaigning. Right. But the other side of it is critics argue that the system gives an unfair advantage to states with large numbers of electoral votes, uh, California, uh, New York, Michigan. Right. Your your heavy hitters. Right. So theoretically, a candidate candidate could get zero votes in the 39 states or D.C., yet win the popular votes in the remaining highest electoral states and win the presidency, right? So that's like obviously it – obviously it's theoretical, but it seems like really heavily skewed. I, I So what? It, how do I wrap my head around what's good and what's bad like with the Electoral College? So the Electoral College um, is, a, is a little bit – it's an outdated institution that – over time, its original uh, intent has sort of been skewed. Um, I won't go as far to say perverted, but just, you know, over 150 years or so, um, people are going to, you know, they're going to use institutions uh, for, for what they n- need to get done for themselves or, or what have you. But anyway, what's important is that uh, the Electoral College was put up originally for two core reasons. And, I, you know, I, I try to it's going to sound like I'm speaking with like authority here, but this is things that I've gathered through just, you know, reading my own, quenching my history nerd thirst. And uh, so I guess you can call this uh, a casual observance of historical scholars. Uh, so two big reasons for why the, the college exists. One, they wanted to protect uh, the voting process from uh, intervention from foreign bodies. Um, two, they wanted to protect the election process uh, from the people. And what I mean by that is that in the 18th century and the 17th century, you know, most people didn't actually get to vote there. You know, for it started out with the white land owning males and eventually, you know, more and more people uh, uh, were enfranchised. So when less educated people became enfranchised, uh, the framers basically they kind of. In their mind, it was foresight. They were thinking, well, once uh, uneducated people start having their voices heard, uh, they're going to make bad decisions. So let's have someone who's at the end line of the vote who can make the right adult decision for them. It's basically a protection against populism. Can, uh, I, can, which, can, can I interject? Yeah. And, and I don't mean to test your history knowledge here. What year did all this start? Because I'm kind of, I don't know if you meant to do this, but I'm kind of picking up on some tones like, was this around like emancipation of slaves and the freeing of slaves that they the, like, when was the electoral college? So the electoral college, um, has been around since before the turn of 1800. Um, the, and so parts of it existed even before that. So you were, you were, uh, referring to it before with how they decide representation based on the population. Okay. Uh, James, yeah. James, James Madison literally wrote a calculus formula 
to figure out how how they should represent based on population. Um, they capped it in 1954 because they got tired of building new offices. Um, so, I mean, now we're, you look at other models like in England, they have thousands and thousands of representatives to cover a much smaller population. Uh, we have 535. Um, oh. to note, yeah. So it was... They, they they got tired of building offices, so they I, just. Stopped. I mean, basically, like there's, I'm sure that people <laughs> will give you other arguments, but at the end of the day, they were like, you know, let's just uh, reportion districts instead of adding districts, okay. uh, and and but that you know can kind of lead to a whole host of problems. Like there's a bajillion rabbit holes to jump down from you know this this jumping off point as a topic, uh, and I want to I want to loop back to what you mentioned. Something really important is the uh, sort of the equilibrium of the small states and the large states uh, in terms of population and how some people argue today that the Electoral College is meant to keep that balance so that small states like Wyoming and Utah aren't shouted down by your New York and your California. So I consider that argument a little bit bunk uh, because that mechanism already exists. It's called the United States Senate. The Senate is not based on population. Every state gets two senators. They have equal influence for no other reason than they wanted to have equal influence despite the size of your population. The House of Representatives, which is always meant to be the institution that is closer to the people, uh, that's the one that was intended to be the much larger house. It's the lower house. This is all English government models that we're taking from. Uh, but the Senate was meant to be that that equilibrium that balanced out the populist voice of uh, the House of Representatives. I can't overstate how scared leaders of that era were of stupid people with guns and votes. Like they 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 were so terrified of populism. Um, you know, they weren't wrong. Like 14 presidents later, Andrew Jackson, you know, an idiot colonel who got famous for murdering people, decided he'd continue murdering people and the million lives of the Native Americans. Digressing again. Um, yeah, anyway, Zach, that's that's kind of touching on every point that you, you hit on there. Um, what, yeah, what, what remains there? I know there's a ton more to dig into. Yeah, my big question was the argument. Every year it, it comes around. Should we have it? Should it be abolished? Because I know, and I read this, there's been 700 attempts since 1964, I think. You've been saying 54, I've been saying 64. Wh which one of us is right there? Uh, I don't know. I, don't, I, was, I was... In my notes, I have 64. I may be wrong. But since, like, 64, when we had the number of electors we have now, there have been, like, 700 attempts, I think, mm -hmm. to amend the Constitution mm -hmm. when it, when it it as it pertains to the Electoral College. Yeah. So this there, there is a pretty big elephant in the room in this discussion of okay do we need it do we not need it is it good is it bad and i yeah. think that with an election cycle coming up how x many days to the election it's you know right around the quarter pretty much like what do people need to understand about the electoral college and what will help them like form a decision someone like myself who's still struggling with the concept like okay is the electoral college good is the electoral college bad it, and I know that's a very simplistic way to look at it, good or bad, but yeah, like, sure. Instead of understanding what it is, like, how does it apply? Because we saw so, in 2016, Hillary had the popular vote, right? Right. And it just, that's not, you know, Al Gore had the popular vote as well. Right. So this obviously has an effect on a lot of people. And I, yeah. and people don't know what it means. I didn't know what it meant. And I don't think the average person, if you asked them, what's the Electoral College and how does it impact you? I, I couldn't answer that. I don't know. 
So um, the Electoral College, again, the original intent, it, it really was about sort of protecting the, the intellectual integrity of voting uh, so that there wasn't sort of an interceding either by foreign powers, uh, which, again, something at the time they were very, very scared of, or stupid people, for lack of uh, a better term. Over the years, uh, as enfranchisement expanded to to women and minorities and, and what have you, they sort of to fix the problem to to ameliorate the obvious flaws of having you know these electors just make the decision for all these millions of people who voted. Uh, the fix was, hey, state legislatures, you can decide how you want to treat the electoral college and how your votes work. So the common answer uh, or fix that the states took was. From now on, and this is this was adopted into the state constitution was typically how they got it done. They say from now on, the popular vote in our state individually, that person gets the electoral votes. Mm-hmm. And that was their way of, okay, we're good, we're fair. So that's that does take care of sort of one dynamic of the problem, but you already touched on uh, another problem, and that's uh, the, the winner-take-all style of our elections. And to answer your question about what it means on the ground level for the individual voter and what they can do, unfortunately, the Electoral College were a little helpless. That is inside the U.S. Constitution. To change it at the federal level would require something as drastic as a uh, constitutional conference, which is basically when we decide to pull out the uh, whiteboard and uh, uh, marker and redraw everything using majority votes. Imagine getting that consensus to work together. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that things are totally hopeless. The hope is through your local elections. It is through your state legislature's decisions for how they're going to run their elections. So right now, we it's this would have been a dream 10, 15 years ago. So we get to see this happen. There are at least one state that I can think of uh, that is has taken steps to change how their votes work to to deal with that problem. It's Maine. So in Maine, they do ranked voting. That means if your person that you voted for first doesn't reach the threshold that is required to move on to sort of the next round in that whatever process, that voting process, your second pick will end up getting your vote. So that means you can have more than one candidate that you decide is favorable, but you can rank down and say, this is my absolute no, and this is my one, two, three best. This means that more voices are heard and you know, voting equality is, is better maintained. Uh, it's simply called ranked voting. If you were to Google that, you'd find like a, a Wikipedia article on it. It is probably the most uh, uh, visible and reasonable uh, a fix to the process because uh, it's just never going to happen on the federal level if we're all being real about consensus being built uh, on the Hill. But state legislatures, because politics truly is local at the end of the day, uh, that's the kind of stuff you have to advocate for. You have to get that on your your state ballot to get ranked voting or some kind of fix to address the winner-take-all mentality that leads to these these divisions that we have, basically. Yeah, that's interesting, because I I feel like like if you're an average voter and you're voting in a safe, quote, safe state, does your vote really matter? Like. What what does it matter? Yeah, what does it matter very, who votes for who if it's all down to the electoral college? I mean, it's it's, it's pretty dis- take that, uh, stance. It's disheartening. I mean, to me, and that's uh, I mean that's been building over years. I think you know we so 
we've long championed ourselves as the greatest democracy in the world, the, the greatest government that the world's ever seen. And I, there's still arguments for that. Uh, we've, we've all seen Hamilton. We know. We, we all know. We've heard about Burr. But the countries around the world that use our model of government as an example for uh, how to make their own societies, and I'm talking about countries in what we would, you know, previously defined as the third and second world that are quote unquote liberated when when our scholars and scholars around the world uh, come to those countries to help build a society for them and to help them uh, uh, be you know have government and run it successfully they take our model uh, and ironically a lot of them come from Vanderbilt that's actually the Peabody school is is one of the most prolific education policy schools in the world but the one part they don't take with them is the electoral college our own high level financial um, educational institutions uh, uh, badmouth our own system. They go to other countries and they teach them our style of democracy and they leave out the electoral college because they say it's not effective. So what does that tell you? Uh, yeah, well, I, I read that when I read that there was 700 attempts in recent history to amend this or do away with yeah. this in the Constitution, that that, that spoke, really spoke volumes. And that's that's kind of what really jogged me to think, okay, what is this really about? Like, why, why is this such a hot button issue? I mean, why, why is it that the majority leader in the Senate, um, leader McConnell, how come it takes 230,000 people or whatever number to reelect him and make him the most powerful man in the Republican party. But it takes, you know, a million to 2 million votes to keep Chuck Schumer's seat. You know, like why, why, why is that? How does that make sense? You know, like because if if we're about representation being equal, yeah, uh, I, it, the scales don't seem. It seems like there's too many points in which the scale can go the other way. Uh, you know, depending on your your perspective right now. But and that, I mean, that's and again another like uh, rabbit hole because this perspective, this division, this exists because of the system that we're talking about right now. Well, as a whole, oh, nobody is is insightful and as much foresight as the founding fathers had. They could have never seen where we are today. They could have. And we're and we're still adhering to this, and it, it, from the outside looking into me, and this is my own personal opinion. It seems it seems dated. It seems unnecessary. It seems like it needs to be changed. But like you said, I don't ever see it happening on a federal level. I think, like you said, state and yeah. local government politics is local. Um, it, it, it seems like even even if you know there was like a blue sweep, the the elder statesmen of the Democratic Party they would probably have a hard time like wrapping their heads around that being a successful you know initiative even with the prospect of you know fixing the problem that makes the problem you know even then it must seem so um, just improbable you know to get done. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know what a big takeaway here is. Um... It's the awareness is the big takeaway, honestly. Because, I, I mean, this thing, it's it's written in the Constitution, amending the Constitution, and and that stuff takes way too much, you know, consensus and inertia to get done. Um, it is super hopeful that states have independently said, "Hey, let's let's change the way we do this because clearly there's a problem." Um, I yeah, you should, should Google Maine. Um, they even have like, I think their uh, governor's race uses the same method. And I saw this on John Oliver, so I'm not going to act like I just dig this up because I do nothing but research YouTube videos over this stuff. But the two people running for the same elected official's office, the governor, were in a commercial together supporting each other. Okay. Saying, hey, if you don't like me, you can go with this guy because we agree on this stuff. Like, because it's ranked voting. And they know that it's like, if we start bashing the other person, 
and get super negative. And if one person's huh. negative out of two people in ranked voting, the negative guy's going to lose every single time. Huh. So now it encourages this like positive sort of campaigning and like policy discussion. That's interesting. Okay, there's your takeaway. Go research what Maine's doing and think about write, it. Write your congressman and push for that. Push for that sort yeah. of initiative in your own state, especially if you're in a swing state like I am in Florida. Oh, I'll look into that. Man. You guys play Virginia, Florida, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Minnesota. Everybody, just get out there and it's state level stuff. It's much easier to get in the ear of your state representative than it is your U.S. congressman. Those guys are like part time jobs, basically. And I actually mean that literally. Uh, and that's who needs to make the decision. That that's the vote. It's not going to be in the House of Representatives on the Hill. It's going to be in the state and House and legislative uh, uh, houses of of the state level. That's awesome, man. All right, well. Short and sweet, I'm going to cut it there because that's the perfect stopping point. Sincerely, thank you for jumping on because I was desperately trying to get something done today because I'm going to be slammed for the next five days and I won't be able to do anything. And I feel like I haven't done enough to get something on this um, on well, this podcast. But something got in the way. Yeah, but uh, I was I'm going to get together with David. So coming up, um, look for me with David uh, from the Geek Garage. Um, if you want to jump in on this too, feel free. I'm going to reach out to Tim. Um, we're going to do a, a, a look into vampires and how they've evolved and leading up to uh, movies and shows like what we do in the shadows. If you haven't checked that out, go check it out. It's on Hulu. I don't know where else you can find it. I have Hulu, so that's where I found it. But it's a movie, so I'm sure you could probably go find the DVD if you haven't seen it. It's amazing. We're going to be talking about that. Um, Tim is away on work coming up. He's going to be coming back. Um, I want to get together with him and do a parks update for uh, Universal and Disney there in Orlando. Um, and what's been going on there in the wake of the whole COVID thing. And beyond that, I don't know. But um, go check out David. Shout out to him because he holds my hand and he fields all my questions no matter what the hour of the night. He's a very, very good friend uh, when it comes to this. Uh, we just did an episode, um, a watch along on uh, what we do in the shadows of the movie. So you can start the movie when the podcast starts and that should sync up. Okay. fairly close there there were some interruptions right. there but yeah um how, how much time do you spend talking on that one uh it's 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 like you interject as the movie okay. I, I i've never done like a, a watch along thing so I it, think it, I, it was weird I, i'm imagining mystery science theater 3000 kinda okay kinda I'm, and I, okay. I actually actually oh it's amazing i actually went to his house and we did it at his house um <laughs> So, so I actually got to sit with somebody else and do this, which is nice. And I actually yeah. like his, his mics and the way he had his stuff set up. It's way better than my janky ass setup I got. But um, yeah, look for that. Um, we are on social media now. Instagram, uh, Much Ado Pod. Uh, Facebook, Much Ado About Nothing Podcast or Much Ado Pod. I can't remember. I'm not very good with social media. I'm still learning how to use it. I have to really ask my wife to do it for me. Um, but you can find us on there. I'm going to be sharing that pretty much with the people Already who went to high happened. school. Yeah, pretty much uh, only the people we went to high school with are going to see it because nobody knows who we are or what we do, and I don't know how to promote podcasts. So, Well, uh, for, you know, uh, what are the, what are the, you mind your pennies, your dollars will count themselves or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. We're going to make great content. We're going to be famous. Yeah, time's a flat circle. Uh, we're all, yeah. We all contain multitudes. Um, yes, yeah, multitudes. <laughs> let's appreciate the staying power of vampires. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're always entertained by them. I am actually. It was really interesting digging into all that stuff, but we'll talk about that another time. And and you can jump in on that if you want I to. I kind of want to. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. If you uh, catch up on the show, though, I want you to watch the show if you haven't. But um, I'll call it there. Um, what's a good outro? Uh, stay nasty. Stay nasty. Keep your fangs clean.
by keeping yeah. a face mask on. <laughs> Perfect. So this will go in the after show. So here's something stupid I did recently. Um, you know I am a light sleeper, right? And I bought those Bose uh, sleep pods that go in your ears and play like white noise. Yeah. Well, one morning uh, the wife was up before I was, and being the kind-hearted and generous soul that she is, she made coffee. And she comes into the room and leaves a cup of coffee by the bed on the nightstand ready to go. Well, when I wake up, my routine is, don't get ahead of me, my routine is I take the the uh, the pods out of my ears and I reach over and I lay them on the, the nightstand. So, yeah, you guessed it. I'm in, I, I'm like, half, I'm half asleep. I take them out of my ears and I, and I lay them in what I think is like the area of the charger, you know? And uh... It's like, this feels kind of warm. This must be the charger, right? So I drop them. I go to sleep for like another half hour wake up, realize what happened, run into the kitchen in my underwear, dumping the coffee into the sink. It's too late. They're fucking down. There's no rice that that exists on earth to get the moisture out of that situation. Here's what happened. My wife just goes, put them in rice, put them in rice. So we put them in rice. And you know what? They work perfectly. They set in coffee. What a twist! For half an hour. And she put them in rice for like a day. And that night they worked. Unbelievable. That's a, I got the, the coffee. I figured would somehow do it. Unbelievable. I, like a half hour, 40 minutes of just soaking in coffee. Yes. That's that, crazy. I, hand to God. Hand to God that, that that's exactly how that went down. You know, one time um, when Apple was still blowing up the headphones they gave you when you bought like the iPhone 3 or 4, whatever model, sent it through the washer and dryer, worked for another two years. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, inexplicable. But yours is even way cooler. You must have woken up and been like, "No, my day is ruined." I was pr- I was pretty devastated because Bose has discontinued those. Oh, Be- because there, there's a, there's like some design flaw in the charging, I think, which I have mm. experienced, and I've actually sent them back and gotten new ones, and now they've broken in a different way. So they haven't like nailed it. But I can't sleep without these fucking things. This is the only thing. Mm. That has gotten me to sleep like consistently. You know, I'm a light sleeper, and now with a baby and dogs and stuff like. It, it, it's just not happening, but yeah, it, she, she, and she saved my ass. That's an addiction that you don't even want to break. Like when you find that thing that gets you to sleep, you're just like, nah, nah, give it to me, doc. Like, I don't care what it costs. Sleep is so, so yeah. important. It, it without is. it, I am a, I am a bitchy, bitchy individual. And you, and you'll even like fool yourself into thinking you're not tired when you get all like delirious, but you're like being an ass and you're like, ah, oh, shit. Oh yeah. Man. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm a grumpy, grumpy son of a bitch. <laughs> Would you rather be too tired or too hungry? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I got to pick one. Um, For right now, you do. I guess too tired. I get I get bad hangry. See, I have to go with the, the hangry because the, the, when I hit a point with tired, I shut down. Like, I, I will become totally useless like you can't ask me questions or expect me to get anything hunger i can push or i can get on the other side of the donut and like stop being hungry 
Yeah, I guess you can do that too, can't you? See, ooh, it, that, that works for some people. I know some people who are insufferable, like when they're hangry and it's yeah. like they, it's a crutch for themselves. They're like, ah, I'm a monster. It's like, well, yeah. you just yeah. need some calories. It's not an excuse, but that's not me. Like I've never, I'll never, I'll get past the hunger and, and move through it. Yeah, I, I'm sticking with my answer. I still got to go. I'd rather be hungry. See, there you go. That's a guy that's thought of that top of my head. I'm going to save that for like interview questions or something. I don't know. <laughs> Once I have an interview show. Yeah.